0: Turn in your Bible or your bulletin to Genesis chapter 22. If you're visiting with us, uh, we have been preaching through Genesis for quite a few months. And uh, I'm thankful that this story that we're going to be looking at together this morning is a perfect, perfect story for Easter morning. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, giving it to us so that we could know you. There's no other way we would know you unless you revealed yourself to us, and you've done that over the thousands of years by giving us your story that tells us who you are, tells us who we are, tells us what you're up to in the world. And how we fit into it, it's in this book. And we thank you for it. Thank you for preserving it for us. And even for this chapter we're going to uh, read together this morning. uh, We ask more than anything, Father, that you would show us yourself. Show us your heart. And then draw us to you, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know many people who like taking tests. Um, I've been a teacher at times in my life, and I didn't particularly like giving tests, but there's something I started trying to do with my students. Um, I, I would tell them, Listen, my tests have two purposes. Purpose number one is I want you to see what you know, what you've learned. That's the first purpose of the test. And then the second purpose of the test is to go beyond that and strengthen what you've learned in this class. Make it more solid so that even the test itself becomes another opportunity for you to learn better what you've already learned. Abraham is about to be tested by God. God is going to test not what Abraham knows, but whom he trusts. God's test has two purposes, to reveal Abraham's faith and then to reinforce his faith at the very same time. And so we're going to see how God does this as we read Genesis 22, 1 through 19, and then uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 to 19, hear the word of the God who loves you. I'm going to allow you to remain seated as I read. In Genesis 22, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they both, they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. And then Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews comments on this scene, this story with Abraham and Isaac. And in verses 17 and 19, he says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He, Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back this is the word of the lord thanks be to god abraham is stunned he steps out into the night looks at the countless stars remembering what god had told him about those stars his heart pounds in his chest as he shakes his head in wonder and confusion is he dreaming He repeats the words to himself over and over and over again. Wondering if he perhaps misunderstood the voice of God. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Abraham heard the same command to go more than 30 years before. When God said, go, leave your past and go to a land that I will show you. And now this same God says, go, leave your future on a mountain that I will show you. Would God ask Abraham to sacrifice the very son that God had promised to give him? Isaac, his only son, the son he loved? By asking Abraham to sacrifice his past and his future, God was asking Abraham for his entire life. You can imagine that all of heaven is on, their, on the edge of their seats, waiting, wondering, what's going to happen? When God tests the heart of Abraham, will it show that Abraham trusts the heart of God? Has Abraham come to trust God so much that he'll say, yes to whatever God asks of him? And what will the test reveal about God? Will God continue to say yes to the promises he's made to Abraham? Well, let's find out as we continue in the story. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. R.C. Sproul suggested that Perhaps Abraham was not just an early riser. Uh, More likely, he'd been up all night long. Unable to sleep, wrestling with that very question. "Do Do I trust who God has shown himself to be to me? Will I trust him enough to do the most difficult thing I could ever imagine? Whether he slept or not, we don't know. But here... Abraham is saying yes to Yahweh, his God, early in the morning. Abraham said yes to Yahweh when he saddled his donkey. And he said yes when he took two of his young men with him. And yes when he took his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering. Yes with every swing of the axe. And he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Yes, with every step of the journey. Yes, 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 yes. And then we come to verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now, friends, just this week in Nashville... Three fathers, three mothers, buried their nine-year-old children. Children who were taken from them in an instant, without warning, violently by the hand of a stranger. And when we heard the news, each of us, even if we weren't parents, each of us said in our hearts, no, 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 God, no. And yet here's Abraham, walking with Isaac, talking with Isaac, camping with Isaac for three Days, three days, all the while knowing that his son would die violently. And not without warning to Abraham. Abraham knew his beloved son would die, and it would not be by the hand of the stranger, but by Abraham's own hand. What would make this father's heart say, yes, Yahweh, with every step, yes, 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 for three days? What would make you say yes? Well, there's a clue to the answer for Abraham in verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. Now catch this. I and the boy will go over there and worship and will come again to you. The this will go and come again. Those are in the first person plural. We will go and we will come again to you. Abraham kept saying yes. Because he believed he would be coming back with his son. Now, why would he say this? If he knew that, if he knew that Isaac was going to die over there. Was it something about the young men that made him say this? Um, Maybe he was lying to them to keep them from asking questions. Well, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to even say this at all. All he had to say was, wait here until I get back. And that would make sense to any servant. He didn't have to say, the boy and I will go and the boy and I will return. So then I I wondered if it was something about Abraham himself that made him say that. Did he plan to disobey God and not go through with it so he could bring Isaac back? That just doesn't make sense. That doesn't seem to fit the story. Or was it something about God that made him say, we will come back again? Could this have been a statement of faith? A declaration of dependence on the God who promised to make a great nation from Abraham through Isaac. The God that promised that Abraham's offspring would be as many as the sands and the stars. The God who after 25 years of promises gave Abraham and Sarah their promised son. Not when they were past their prime, prime, but when they were way past their time at all. They were beyond any human ability to create new life. Their bodies were as good as dead. But God asked Abraham, is there anything too difficult for the Lord? And then God brought a new life out of Sarah's barren womb. Abraham said, we will come back to you again because he knew if God had to raise the dead to keep his promises, God would do it. And the New Testament confirms this about Abraham's trust in a resurrecting God. In Romans 4, Paul said that the God in whom Abraham believed is the one who gives life to the dead and calls calls into existence the things that do not exist. So then, in hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Abraham did not weaken in faith, Paul said, when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. You see, Paul saying that Abraham and Sarah had seen God give life to the dead when God gave them Isaac. And now Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to even raise the dead in order to keep his promises. And that's why the author of Hebrews could say, as we read earlier, that by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who re- had received the promises was in the act of offering up his son His only son, of whom it was said, "Through Isaac shall your offspring be named." And then he says, "Abraham considered that God was able to even even to raise him from the dead, which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back." And so, as we continue this story, we continue to see a father. Who continues to say yes to the God who raises the dead. Abraham's seen it before. And he knows he can do it again. But we also see a son who says yes. Verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And Abraham took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? You see, Isaac was old enough to know what it meant to worship God. His entire life, he'd watched his father worship God, which is a note to fathers. His entire life, he had watched his father worship God by offering sacrifices. Isaac understood that God said life is in the blood and that it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. He had watched countless times as his father bound the lamb, laid it on the wood on the altar, raised his knife to shed its blood, and then burned it all. He'd watched his father worship God in this way over and over and over again. And Isaac knew that this sacrifice, this sacrificial system was a a constant reminder that God so loved his people that he would provide by himself and for himself the payment of death that his people owed but could not pay and still be able to live. Isaac was looking for the Lamb of God that would take away his sin. Verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together, saying yes to the God who provides every step of the way. Now, the father and the son together would come face to face with what it means to say yes to Yahweh. Verse 9. When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order. Every stone, another yes. Every piece of wood, another yes. And Abraham bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And that's all we get. That's all we get. Bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, we as modern readers, we get frustrated with that. We, we want more details. We want some emotion. We want to know what happened. Um, we want to know how was Abraham able to bind up Isaac in the first place. Did they, did they have a conversation about this? Did Abraham weep as he told Isaac what God had told him to do? How did Isaac feel? About God asking his father to sacrifice him. Did Isaac worry that his father had gone mad? Did he try to run away? Did he argue with his father? Trying to save his life. We don't know. It doesn't say. I also wondered. How old was Isaac at this point? Perhaps he was young enough that. Uh. 100 and however many years old Abraham was by this point. Probably close to 115 or so. Could could little Isaac have overcome Abraham? I don't think so. There's a couple of clues to how old he was. He had to be old enough and strong enough to carry a load of wood on his shoulders. Enough wood... To burn up a sacrifice. And also discovered that. You know Abraham says. I and the boy. He keeps calling his son. The boy. But in Hebrew. That's the same word. That's used for the young servants. The young men. It's the exact same word. Um, and so. If. These young men. Are old enough and mature enough. For Abraham strong enough. For Abraham to entrust them to protect the donkey and the the rest of the goods and supplies that they had until he returned. I wonder if Isaac was not at least as old as they were, um, strong as they were. He was not likely a small child, but very likely an adolescent at, at least. And so how then did Abraham overpower this young man Isaac and tie him up And lift him onto the altar. I wonder. And Eric likes to talk about. Using our sanctified imagination. And so. I'm going to use. Some sanctified imagination here. I wonder. If the conversation may have gone like this. Isaac says father. Are you sure there's no other way? Abraham. Son, I've I've asked Yahweh the same question for three days. All I know is he is the God who gives us lands so he can ask for them back again. And you, my son, my son, are proof that he is the God who keeps his promises by giving life to the dead. All I can say to Yahweh is not my will but yours. I imagine Isaac by this time is nauseous and can hardly breathe thinking about what he's about to go through. But somehow he says, then if there's no other way, Father, I will be the land that God has provided. And I will say with you, Father, not my will, Yahweh, but yours be done. Now we don't know that Isaac said this, but it does seem to describe what kind of heart he must have had. There's no way Abraham could have forced his son to do what he did. His son had to willingly say yes and submit. So in one of the most incredible acts of submission, Isaac became a suffering servant, and like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep, That before its shears is silent, Isaac did not open his mouth that we're aware of. Verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Again, I want you to imagine the scene. At this moment. This father released his son from the cords of death that bound him. This father received his son back from the dead. Can you imagine the relief and the joy that Abraham and Isaac shared in that moment? Can you imagine that? Isaac's name, we have said, means laughter. There was laughter at his birth, and now there had to have been laughter at his release from death. What joy those two must have shared together in that moment. Verse 13, Abraham went and took the ram and offered offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. John Calvin said, the ram didn't just wander there accidentally, but had been placed there by God. Because, friends, the Lord sovereignly provides what his people need when they need it. Someone else observed that no one had to tell Abraham to substitute the animal for his son. He, he knew what it was there. He knew that he was to sacrifice it instead of his son Abraham knew Yahweh was a God who provided for his people what he required from his people. And the God who sovereignly tested Abraham now graciously resolves the test for Abraham. Because God saves by substitution. He's the God of instead of. By substitution, God provides the spotless life and the sacrificial death that we cannot provide for ourselves. And so in verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day, it became a, a saying, maybe a bumper sticker on a donkey, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Maybe it was a song but it was a saying that even to the day of the writing of this book, people in Israel still said, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. That's the kind of God we have. Now Mount Moriah is significant because of its location and its name. Let me talk about that for a moment. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Um, Was not just a popular saying. It was a prophetic saying. Because the Bible tells us. That 1000 years later. And this is from 2nd Chronicles 3. Solomon began to build. The house of the Lord in Jerusalem. On Mount Moriah. Solomon's temple. Was built. On. The place. Where Abraham. Was going to sacrifice his son. But God substituted a sacrifice for him. The mount where the Lord would provide sacrifices for the sins of his people would be the temple mount in Jerusalem built on Mount Moriah. And then another thousand years later, John the baptizer would point to Jesus of Nazareth and say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And on a hill just outside the walls of Jerusalem a few years later, not far from the Temple Mount, from Mount Moriah, Jesus said yes to his father and offered himself as the substitute for sinners. And so the blood of every lamb that had been sacrificed until that day pointed to this lamb, this son of Abraham, this son of God, this Jesus. This is the one of whom Abraham spoke when he said God will provide for himself the lamb. And though you and I deserve to be bound and to bleed on the altar on a cross of wood, the Lord has provided a substitute for us. On the mount of the Lord, Jesus has been provided. Thanks be to God. I said that Mount Moriah is also significant for its name. Abraham called the place the Lord provides Jehovah Jireh. Abraham called Moriah, the Lord provides. And provide has a double meaning in Hebrew. It does mean to provide, but it also means to see, to see. And that sounds strange, but even even the Latin word provide, uh, which is pro-video, means to see beforehand. Pro before video see. So it's very similar. It means to provide and to see. And so Mount Moriah is the place where God sees our need in advance and provides it. As one writer said, God sees our need and sees to it that our need is met. And while at the same time, God sees to it that we see him in his provision. And so I want to close with this. There at Mount Moriah, three characters in this true story, Abraham, Isaac, and the ram. Come together to help us see the main character in this story. Yahweh, the God who provides and who raises the dead to life. We see God in Abraham. We see a father who did not spare his only beloved son, but was willing to give him up as a sacrifice for sin. But when God the father raised his hand to sacrifice his son, there was no one there to yell, Stop! No one there to provide a lamb as a substitute because this son, the Lord Jesus, is the only lamb who could take away the sins of the world. So he must plunge the knife. In order for us to live, the father had to go through with the sacrifice of his son and he was willing to do it. God the father said yes to his promise to make a way for us to be his. And then we see God in Isaac. We see the son of God in the son of Abraham. Many have observed that like Isaac, Jesus is a son of promise. Like Isaac, Jesus' birth was supernatural. Like Isaac, Jesus is the only and beloved son of his father. Both Isaac and Jesus carried the wood on which they would offer their lives. Both Isaac and Jesus were suffering sons. Abraham trusted that perhaps God would raise his sacrificed son from the dead. But on the third day, God did raise his son, Jesus, from the dead. And all along the way, Jesus, the son, said yes to his father so that you and I could also be sons and daughters of his father. And then we see God in the ram. We see the heart of a God Who is willing to substitute himself for sinners. John Stott said this. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And that's what we've done ever since. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. While the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. The ram is a picture of a God. Who says, yes, yes, I will substitute myself for sinners. Friends, this morning, Abraham's God, Jesus, is calling to you. And he's saying, if you want to come with me, you must deny yourself, you must take up your cross daily. And follow me. As he called Abraham, he's calling you and me to leave our past so that we will go where he will show us. And he's calling us to leave our future in the nail-pierced hands of the one who gives life to the dead. And the only way you and I will ever say yes to God is is not by digging deep down in ourselves and gritting our teeth and grinding out a yes for Jesus. No. It's not, it's not what Abraham did. Abraham wasn't fo- focused on his faith in God, but on God's faithfulness to him. And it pulled yes out of him. How could he not say yes to this God who provided for him? How could he not say yes to this God who raises the dead? And so he did. And so like Abraham, the only way you and I will say yes to Yahweh is by remembering that he has said yes to you and me in Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians. All the promises of God find their yes In Jesus Christ. All the promises of God. Find their yes in Jesus Christ. God has said yes to you and me. In the life and the crucifixion. And the resurrection of Jesus. So Mountain Fellowship. Let us be known as a people. Who say yes to Jesus every day. Because he is the yes. Of all God's promises to us. And let our stories individually and as a church be shaped by his crucifixion, by his sacrifice. Be shaped by his resurrection as we become people who are willing to die to ourselves every day. And because we trust that we are beloved by the God who brings life from the dead. Father, oh... If only we could have seen Abraham and Isaac that moment when they realized God had provided a substitute. If only we could have observed their joy, (laughs) their, their relief, their laughter, their saying to one another, can you believe that God has done this? Can you believe it? Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. You provide what we need when we need it. And you are the one who gives life from the dead. Oh, God, you're so good. Father, would you make us a people who are overwhelmed with that kind of joy, that kind of deep gladness in what you have done for us?